Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your hosts, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. Good to be back with you on another session of Global Answers. And I'm Jeff, and uh, it's a delight to be with you. We've been talking about walking in the light as he is in that light, and we want to discuss this uh, on, a, on a greater level. There's layers to God, levels to God, and we can go as deep as we want, and that's what we want to find out. Uh, the reason we're broadcasting, the reason we're on the air is because we know that there's hearts thirsting for more of God. We want you to have a love for your Bible more than anything else, and we want to help and assist you in seeing that your Bible comes alive. Because there's truth today. God isn't asking us to build an ark and float down the Nile, float down into the ocean. Uh, God isn't asking us uh, to follow Moses through the wilderness. There's more light today. And that was a delivering message for their day. But now there's a delivering message for our day. God is moving on. And we see that principle all through the scriptures. Walking in the light as God. God is in that light. So God moves on. Man puts a box around what God is doing, but God jumps out of that box and continues to move on. Man uh, makes a, a statement and puts a period behind it. God puts a comma. God is always going to unveil himself, and you cannot say this is the sum total of God. God is continuing to unveil himself. So if there's a deep calling in your heart, the Bible says there has to be a deep to respond. Now, if, 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 uh, if there's a fin on the fish's back, that only proves that there had to be water somewhere for that fish to swim in. There was a little boy that uh, was craving something that his body needed. And so he began to eat the, the rubber off of pencils. Then he began to eat the rubber off of bicycle pedals. And the doctors found out that his body was craving sulfur. So if there was a craving for sulfur, there had to be sulfur somewhere to satisfy the craving. And I'm saying that if there's more truth in your heart, you may be a part of a, an assembly, a synagogue, a, den a denomination of some sort. You're looking around at the status quo and you're saying, I love my people, I love my pastor, and you should. But there's something that I need more. There's some, I'm hungering for more. And I'm saying that if there's a thirst in your heart, there's more of God to quench that thirst. It's not in Hinduism, Buddhism, and so on. It's in Christ. Christ is the Word, the living Word. So there's more for you. Now, getting back to the concept of walking in the light, we tend to put God in a box. If you, if you look in your Bibles, if you've got your Bibles, look in Acts chapter 10, the last few verses, for about 41 through 44, Acts chapter 10, 41 through 44, we find that Peter and the disciples were called to a house by the name of Cornelius, Cornelius was a Gentile. Now, remember, a Jew was not to go into the house of a Gentile. He would, be, he would be considered unclean if he went into the house of a Gentile. Now, Peter and the disciples have been bidden by vision from God, and God says, don't call that which is clean unclean, referring to Gentiles. Wow, what a shock. They had God in a box. And the box was this, the gospel is exclusively to us Jews. God was going to break out of that box. And God was going to now reveal the truth to the Gentiles. Now more light was going to be given. And, the, and Peter had to receive that light. And he had, to have the, he had the keys of the kingdom. He had to give it to the Gentiles. So we find, interestingly enough, he goes to the house of Cornelius. And it's evident by the scriptures that the disciples that were with Peter were sitting back with prejudice. 
And as Peter spake the word about Jesus and the resurrection and the need for the new birth, the Holy Ghost fell upon them, the Bible said, that believed. Then, incredulous, the disciples looked at one another and said, how can we refuse water, seeing that these have already received the Holy Ghost as we? They were shocked that the Gentiles could receive the Holy Ghost. But I want you to notice how they got the Holy Ghost. Cornelius' group got the Holy Spirit by receiving more light. So you might be a Baptist or a Methodist, and maybe you're justified, possibly even sanctified. But there's a new birth experience that can only come. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, Christ dwelling on the inside of you, can only come by more light, more truth, more revelation. We see that in Acts chapter 19. If you've got your Bibles, you'll see that Apollos was an eloquent speaker, knew the ways of the Lord, and was baptized by John. But we find that there was a family sitting listening to Apollos, and they afterwards, Priscilla and Aquila, after the sermon was over, they came up to Apollos and said, hey, we really enjoyed that. That was a great message. However, God has more for you. Apollos, being a sincere and thirsty preacher, longing for more of God, and yes, there are preachers that long for more of God. And he longed for more of God, and Apollos said, explain the way more perfectly, yes. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He says, I don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. He says, well... Unto what were you baptized? Well, unto John's baptism. Oh, so you're one of John's converts. Well, yes, God has revealed more. And there's a man coming through town next week. His name is the Apostle Paul. And he'll explain to the, the way of God more perfectly, make it more clear to you. And Apollos was excited. He did not put God in the John the Baptist box and say, nope, I'm a good Baptist. I'm not going any further we see the principle that as God is in light, John was a light, then Jesus became the light, then the Apostle Paul became the light. When God's in that light, walk in it. But if God moves on, you want to move on as well. So Brother Lonnie's got some concepts that he wants to bring out through the church ages. Church ages referring to dispensationalism. And Brother Lonnie, maybe you can elaborate on that big word, dispensationalism, and what that might mean. Uh, it's a big debate between the theologians on is there are, does God work in dispensations or does he not? But I think the scripture establishes that he does. God mm -hmm. does certain things for a season and then moves on. God is unchanging, that's true. But, but the, the unchanging part of him is, is that every generation gets their fresh chance at the word of God. So nobody can just look back into history and say, I believe that and that's good enough. They have to receive the Jesus for their day. <laughs> yeah, the principle, uh, Adam and Eve sets our pattern. God told them, you can eat of these trees, but don't eat of that tree. That was their word for their day. Mm -hmm. And then Noah would have been the next big test. This, I'm going to flood the earth. There's a, uh, I want you to build a boat and get into that ark. And could they believe the word that judgment was coming and get into that ark? There was nothing mentioned about trees again, though they right. might have known about Adam and Eve. But that was their test. Now, mm -hmm. can you believe the word enough to get into the ark? And of course, when we talk about walking in the light as he is in the light, the ark is actually the manifested word. Beautiful. Because God told Noah how to build the ark, exactly how to construct it, by God's word. And then when he built the ark, that was the manifestation of the word, and that was the means of salvation. So in every age, this is the same principle. God sends a word to an age, yeah. and it's a manifestation of what God had in his mind to that age, and then to see that, that's to see Christ. My. Because the scripture says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm. 
And somehow we tend to make Jesus of Nazareth the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's not true. Because uh, what, about, what about the Jesus that was the Logos? The scripture says in Ephesians 3, 9, that heaven and earth was created by Jesus Christ. That wasn't Jesus of Nazareth. It was the Logos of God, the Word of God. Everything that was created was created by the Word. But the name of the Word is Jesus. Mm. So Jesus of Nazareth had to carry that name because he was the Word made flesh. And so that's how he is the same yesterday, today, and forever in that what God, Jesus, is doing in your age, not Jesus of Nazareth, right. Jesus the Logos, what he's doing in your age, that's where we find the I am. So Jesus takes on different masks in a <clears throat> Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. He, he yeah. He's like a great uh, actor that plays many parts and that we might be playing one part right now. I believe that we are. Yeah, exactly. I believe we are. Mem yeah. mem members of that many-membered body that's all over the world by all those who by one spirit have been baptized into one body. So then I Jesus could be speaking to us right now. In other words, speaking to the congregation, speaking to the audience right now in this simple format. Let's pray that he is. That's Amen. what we believe we're doing. We yeah. pray. We seek God. What can we tell the people today? Right. And we're bringing you exactly what we, we feel the Holy Ghost laid in our heart to bring to you. Because uh, being an older fella, uh, I have been on a search for God in my past years. And I left this church group and then uh, wonderful people, love the people and all that. But some, my heart was hungering for more. And then so move to another group and then you, they have a little more truth possibly. And you say, oh, this is wonderful. Now I found it. And then after you're there a while, oh, I thought I found it, but this isn't it. People are wonderful and church group is wonderful, but there's got to be some more somewhere. And then you move again. It's God in you, calling you, calling you, calling you for that, for that deeper walk. Jesus said, no man can come to me except the spirit of the father draw him. And so therefore there's a drawing from, mm -hmm. from God to bring it on. I don't think we read the scripture to you that we were actually talking about uh, this uh, from, from the last session. And that was 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. Right. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That's us and God. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So that's the reason we're emphasizing this, walking in the light. We all want cleansing from the blood. But most of Christianity believes that just by believing history, which we believe the same history you do, believing history, they immediately have this uh, cleansing by the blood. And we're trying to show you that there's other scriptures that go on because Jesus is the Word. And he's not just the historical Word. He's the living word, the I am. Mm -hmm. So what is the word living out in our day, in this day? So we, last time we went through the, the, what we call the church ages, which is Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3, the seven churches of Asia. And the seven churches of Asia, Ephesus through Laodicea, Gentile churches, each had an angel and each begins with unto the angel of the church of, of Ephesus, of Smyrna, of Pergamos, of Thyatira, and so on. Each one had a messenger from God. And we found then in our looking at history that there was a, an outstanding man in each age whose ministry most closely approximated that of the Apostle Paul because he was the, he was the Alpha, the first, first of the ministers. And so he was the standard bearer. And so we look for the ones that are closest, closest to that. None of them quite duplicated what he had, but you look for the one that seems to be the closest in the age. And so we go from Paul 
Some of you may have heard of Irenaeus and then Martin. That's Martin of France, St. Martin, not Martin Luther. And then so we go Paul, Irenaeus, Martin, and then Columbus. Luther, mm -hmm. and then Columba, mm -hmm. and then uh, West, excuse me, Columba, Luther, Wesley. And those, the last two you've heard of, Luther and Wesley, everyone's heard of those, the Lutheran movement, the Methodist movement. And so we're familiar with those. And, and they were the ones that are this side of the Dark Ages. The other ages were either in the Dark Ages or on the other side. And so coming back from the, from the Lutheran movement, coming out of the Dark Ages, this is the area of what the historians call the Reformation, and I'll call the Restoration, because God was restoring His church. And the scripture compares it to a seed that's put in the ground mm -hmm. and is growing, growing, growing. And so therefore, there's so many principles involved around the seed, but I just want you to catch now a mental picture. The seed started coming up out of the darkness of the dark ages. A seed is buried in darkness. Then it starts springing up. And then as it starts springing up, it has a growth cycle that it has to go through. If I were a farmer and I plant a field full of wheat, which all the farmers around us right now are doing, then, then I'm not so much interested in the process, I'm interested in the wheat. But the process of getting from a single grain to a multiple grain is absolutely necessary to produce the wheat. And so therefore we find that the Lutheran movement, Wesleyan movement, yes, and even the Pentecostal movement were part of the process to bring us to a harvest maturity. And so, so we watched them through the church ages, the Lutheran movement, and then they denominated around what he brought, and the group that stays loyal to that stopped right there. Mm. But the movement of God, the moving of the light, yes. if we walk in the light as he is in the light, right. the light was continuing to move because there was a further unveiling of the word as Wesley came across the doctrine of sanctification. Yep. He didn't initiate that doctrine. Uh, he actually was very uh, upset with himself that he couldn't live a better life. Mm -hmm. And another group was trying to teach him that, but there's another work in your life that can be taking place called sanctification, where God mm -hmm. can take out of you these uh, desires to sin, desire, mm -hmm. don't want to smoke anymore, don't want to drink anymore, don't want to gamble anymore, don't want to commit adultery anymore. The want to is, is taken out of mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And that's sanctification. But then that was God cleaning the church to get ready to pour his spirit into it which started on 1906 Azusa Street, Los Angeles, California. And every Pentecostal church today, though some like to claim that roots are in the book of Acts, they all sprung out of that movement out of Azusa Street. And, and so it's a relatively recent movement. But now I'm going to step on some of your toes. The light didn't stop there with the Pentecostal movement. And I was in Pentecost for a period of years. And if you have been in Pentecost for a number of years, mm -hmm. you have seen it change yes. considerably. Mm -hmm. The holiness they used to preach, they say, oh, that's just legalism. And the things they used to preach and standards they used to hold to, they don't hold to those anymore. The bringing down the, the presence of God, the blessings of God, oh yeah, their worship and their praise will do that. And they bask in that presence. But some of the last churches I went into, I remember one of the churches I went into, the organ player was also the song leader. It was a, a very attractive, red-headed woman, beautiful voice. 
and, so, and she had a way of telling stories and leading songs that just gripped your heart. And sometimes the presence of God would fall down and worship. And maybe at the close of the service, they would say, oh my, the presence of God was so great. The preacher didn't even get into the pulpit. And they thought that was wonderful because it was all worship. But you're not born again by worship. You're not born again by praise. You're born again by the seed incorruptible, the Word of God. Yes. And the Holy Ghost only feeds on the Word. Mm. The praise can bring the presence of God. Mm. We know that. Mm -hmm. But your growing, your maturing comes from the Word. That's why Joshua was told, meditate in the Word day and night and you'll be successful. You'll be victorious. So the Word was there. So the Pentecostal movement, they did the same as the other ages. They, they organized around their, their, what they felt was their truth. And part of their truth was not truth. And that is when they organized around, pardon me, going to step on some toes again, around the truth that tongues is the evidence of the Holy Ghost. We believe in tongues. People in our church speak in tongues every once in a while. We don't emphasize it, but it's in the Bible. We believe in it. But that's not the evidence because the scripture also says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The scripture says that though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and don't have charity, the Holy Ghost, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, and don't have that. No notice, speaking with tongues of men, that's known languages, and of angels, unknown languages, and still don't have the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. So that's why there we believe in the speaking of tongues, but it's not a final evidence of the Holy Ghost. Stay under the altar of prayer long enough, yep, you'll probably speak in tongues. I have. Many, many have. In fact, the first time I spoke with tongues, I was under such a heavy anointing in prayer. I spoke with tongues and I thought it was my new birth because that's what I was being taught in the, in the Pentecostal church. But it turned out it wasn't. I just got heavily anointed and responded to the anointing, spoke in tongues. But I hadn't yet met the I am. I hadn't yet met what is God doing in this age. Mm -hmm. And that's what my heart was longing for. Because the word to the age births a bride of Christ to that age. Mm -hmm. Now that may be a new term to some of you, but there is the church and there is the bride. Mm -hmm. Just like there is a foolish virgin and a wise virgin. Mm -hmm. And we find that the wise virgin is the one that goes into the marriage. The foolish virgin stays behind. But notice the term is virgin. That means clean living. What does that mean? It means sanctified. Mm -hmm. They were a justified, sanctified people with no oil in their lamp, no Holy Ghost experience in their, in their life. So consequently, they couldn't go meet the bridegroom. So the groups that teach that all the believers who trust in Jesus of, of Nazareth and Calvary are going to go in the rapture, that's not scriptural. Mm -hmm. The Matthew 25 parable is there for a purpose. Only those filled with the Holy Ghost will Go to meet the Lord in the air. Go to this wedding supper. So as we speak to you over the television, we're trying to feed those who are hungry for more, looking for more, trying to find this closer relationship with Jesus Christ. So we, go, we come up in the, in the Reformation now, Restoration, we come up through, through Luther and Wesley and the Pentecostal experience. And then, then the final messenger to the final age we've spoken to you many times, his name was William Branham. And he was promised in, in, in a portion of Scripture mm -hmm. because we find that the Bible is, is in the prophecies pertaining to the first coming of the Lord and the second coming of the Lord. Many times the very same 
chap same chapter and verse, verse especially, is split right in the middle mm -hmm. between the first and second coming. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we find in the Elijah ministry. John the Baptist had the spirit of Elijah on him. William Branham had the spirit of Elijah on him. So the light of the hour, we would say, well, then you're saying William Branham is the light of the hour. No, I'm not even saying that. I'm saying the message he brought is the light of the hour. William Branham has lived out his life. He's gone home to his reward. He's passed, passed off the scene. Mm -hmm. But the message he brought has been left here. And he was the messenger to the seventh or Laodicean church age, the last church age. So he was the seventh angel. And Revelation 10, 7 says, during the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the mystery of God should be finished. So this seventh angel's message brought us, brought us a message that opens up, unveils, finishes up the mystery of God that's been hidden in the Bible through the ages. And of course, the theologians argue with it. They say, well, William Branham was a mighty man of God at first, but he went off at the end. But what they call going off at the end was the fact that he tried to correct their doctrine and they didn't want to be corrected any more than the Sadducees and Pharisees wanted their doctrine corrected. Can you, so, can you recall what some of those uh, corrections were that Brother Branham made to? And, and generally what I find <coughs> is, is the messenger corrects the fallacy or adds to the truth of former uh, belief system. Maybe Wesley added more truth than what Luther had. Right. Brother Branham was called to not only, uh, he added more truth than what Pentecost had, but he also corrected and spanked Pentecost for some of uh, the false doctrine that they were propagating that was affecting the church. Can you, can you recall some of the false doctrine that uh, Brother Branham particularly uh, tried to help and correct? Because Brother Branham was a Baptist who came into the, a greater understanding of more light through the Pentecostal faith, but then saw some of the fallacy of the Pentecostal movement, didn't he? And then the Holy Spirit uh, called him to correct some of the error in the, in the Pentecostal move. What is some of that error? So maybe well, you can I've, help some people along the way here. Okay, part of it I can read right here in Scripture. Okay. Okay, first of all, let me say this. The messenger of Malachi 4, the part that William Branham fulfilled, uh, uh, John the Baptist fulfilled part of it, that he, he was uh, to gather the truths of all the ages, that Luther had some truth, Wesley had some truth, Pentecost had some truth, so, but they had a mix, most of which came out of the Dark Ages with Luther. And then, and then he was to gather the truths of the ages and then, then unveil this mystery of God. And so he's speaking now, so because he was the seventh church age messenger, let's read about the seventh church age. And under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen. That's the closing of the sentence. The faithful and true witness in the beginning of the creation of God. That's God beginning to create himself in flesh. I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou art cold or hot. Now this is this age. Mm -hmm. This is a Laodicean church age. Mm -hmm. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. The mouth is where the word comes from. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be separated from the word. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with good and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So there's the condition of the church in God's eyes. Mm -hmm. And then I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, white raiment that thou mayest be clothed 
and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with thy salve that thou mayest see as many as I love. I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore and repent. So therefore that was the message of the messenger, rebuking and chastening and calling for repentance. Mm. But if you don't know what you've done wrong, you don't know what to repent of or what to repent to. Mm, so right. consequently a message had to come to show them that they, they were mixed up on the initial evidence that they did not follow the pattern of water baptism according to scripture. We've taught you that have been with us, we've taught you that many times. Not one person in scripture was baptized in the titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. There was an understanding to be had there in Matthew 28, 19, where Jesus made that command. And the fulfillment of that scripture is everything in the book of Acts where they baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus or the Lord Jesus Christ, because that is the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then, of course, bringing out the oneness of God, that God operated in three offices, absolutely, fatherhood, sonship, and Holy Ghost, but not three persons, one God operating in these various manifold ministries, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. correcting these things, trying to show the truth, uh, church, where they'd gone off. He, he brought back a lot of the truths of holiness, that mm -hmm. I am a holy God, and he calls for the people to live a holy life. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to bring to you is this standard that God has, has called for us to walk in. He reached back into the Old Testament to show that the Jehovah God of the Old Testament was Jesus of the New. Mm -hmm. And that, some, that the attitude of Jehovah in the Old Testament, it was an unchanging attitude, not bringing the law forward, mm -hmm. but the attitude of God. It's an abomination in the sight of God for a woman to wear a garment that pertains to a man or a man to wear a garment that pertains to a woman. Attitude of God, unchanging God, mm -hmm. these very same attitudes. Now, that's just a few, friends. There's many, many more. And if you write to us, we can send you material that'll give you more of, of uh, what this is all about. We're closing up now. We're winding up. We've only got about 14 seconds left. Did you have anything to say? <laughs> Hebrews 13, 8. Uh, but Hebrews 13, 7 says, Obey them that have the rule over you who watch for your soul. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God is in light. God is in men. Obey those true, truly God-sent men. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and forever. God bless you. Wanted to show you in our search for light, walking in light, and knowing what truth is, I want to recommend this book to you, which is the Exposition of the Seven Church Ages. And it'll show you inside the, the relative light in each age that we're in. We're over here in this very last age. And so I recommend that you get a hold of this book if you want to know where we are in time and what God's doing, this is it. Friends, we'd like to recommend a DVD entitled The Forbidden Book, which tells the fascinating story behind the preservation of the greatest book in human history, the Bible. It details the stories of a few brave men who obeyed God, defying the superstition and ignorance of their day to bring the scriptures to the world. For this DVD or for a copy of today's program entitled As He Is in the Light, write to us at Global Answers. 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio, zip code is 45801 in the USA. Or visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. While you're there, you can contact us through our email, info at globalanswers.us. 
to send us your comments or questions. Thank you for joining us and may our Lord Jesus Christ 